welcome to the GMC podcast, a place where you can listen to the weekly word from God and other highlights from the team at GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. This podcast brings you the sermon series, Malachi, Sin and Grace in Close Proximity, a response to Jesus. In six oracles, enclosed either side by a prologue and an epilogue, Malachi sits as the last book of the Old Testament, and he looks back to the Old Testament, assuming, summarising and applying the message of God. But he also looks forward to the New Testament, with its promise of the coming reign of God. Over eight weeks, we will seek to encourage you to respond to God's persistent words, I have loved you and to his faithfulness, and hopefully to help you understand and take heed of the warnings in Malachi, and so respond to the good news of Jesus. Now before the word from God, we will lead you in a time of prayer. Father, we come, your children, we come in awe, in worship. Father, divine and eternal majesty, we still our hearts and minds to be present this morning, to spend time as the body of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, your children here as one, one body one faith, one truth. Lord Almighty, we pray for oneness, a unity of heart, soul and mind, ever seeking to understand your call upon each of us as individuals and as one corporate body. Yet we know we often fail. The hatred which divides nation from nation race from race, class from class. Father, forgive. The covetous desires of people and nations to possess what is not their own. Father, forgive. The greed which exploits the work of human hands and lays waste to your world. Father, forgive. Our envy of the welfare and happiness of others. Father, forgive. Our indifference to the plight of the imprisoned, the homeless and the refugee. Father, forgive. The lust which dishonours the bodies of men, women and children. Father, forgive. The pride, the root of all sin, which leads us to trust in ourselves and not in God. Father, forgive. Lord God, forgive our ways. Restore us anew that we may love and serve you to the end of our days. As we take the offering and we share together in the words as Jesus taught us, let us say, Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Following the time of prayer, I hope your heart is prepared to receive from God's word that you are open to be reached wherever you are today. If anything you hear from our preacher today, from the word of God and the sermon challenges you, may be raising questions, then please feel free to contact us. If you want to know more about how we can support you in your faith, or indeed answer questions of faith, we'd love to help you get to know the Lord and go deeper with him. Or maybe you'd like to support GMC financially in our ministry for the kingdom. If so, then please get in touch through our Contact Us page of our website, gillespiechurch.org, or via our Facebook page. Whatever you need, contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Now, over to our preacher. So let's get to the penultimate uh, week of Malachi. How you been coping with it? Um, we've reached Malachi uh, chapter 3, verses 6 to 12. Hear the word of God. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have the room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his holy word. Don't rob me. Are you on a journey? I guess you all are on a journey of faith. You wouldn't be here otherwise. Over the last few months, we've heard the odd testimony from folk in the congregation. And there will be more to come. And in those testimonies, those faith stories, we've heard that people have been changed. Because a relationship with Jesus changes people. Individuals are changed. But God doesn't. 
God doesn't change. That's the opening line in Malachi. I, the Lord, do not change. And that sets the tone for this passage. In fact, it carries the tone of what has gone before. The Lord does not change. David, a couple of weeks ago, spoke about covenant, that binding special relationship that holds God and his people together. God came to this world calling those who would acknowledge him to be in a relationship with him, came in the person of Jesus to call people his people into a two-way relationship that binds with promises given by God but expectations made upon the believer. Maggie last week emphasised that the way to honour and move forward in a covenant relationship with God is to trust and obey were the words she used because obedience matters. Obedience brings blessing, and the converse is true. Disobedience brings curse. That is the absolute long-running narrative of the Old Testament between Israel and Yahweh. If you want to know what the Old Testament is about, it can be summed up in that. Obedience brings blessing. Disobedience brings curse. Following the exodus from Egypt under Moses and entry into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua and throughout the centuries that followed, there were times of blessing and times of curse for the land and the people of Israel. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is the farewell address of Moses, if you like. It's where the giving of the law is recorded. If you know Deuteronomy, you read it and you think, oh, I've read some of this stuff before because it's been proceeding in uh, Leviticus and uh, Numbers. And in chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but a few verses, it, it makes plain this relationship between, uh, of obedience and disobedience. 28, 1 and 2 say, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord God will set you, a, set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Obedience. And then it lists a whole lot of blessings that may come. But then in verse 15, it says, However, but, listen up folks, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. Clear, concise that this covenant that's binding upon Israel is born out of a salvation found in the Exodus that calls Israel, this nation that God bought out of slavery in Egypt, he calls them to obedience. And it's, it's not God that's changed throughout the Israelite history, it's the people. The covenant existed so Israel would not be destroyed. God is 
always faithful and true to his word. Yet, here we are in Malachi, end of the Old Testament, and we hear ever since Jacob crossed the Jordan into the promised land with the nation, that this nation of people have been turning time and again from God's decrees. But it says, yet God says, return to me and I will return to you. What a faithful God. If it was up to me, I probably would have given up with them by now. But then that's me and I'm human, not God. We only have to think of the parable of the prodigal son. You know that image of the son returning from his debauchery and all that was going on and the image of the father hitching up his robes and running to meet his wayward and lost son who has returned to the family home. We only need to think of that image to understand the intensity of God's love and his faithfulness, his unchangeableness. A faithful God whose deep, deep desire is that his wayward people who are not faithful to him would return. And he welcomes them, embraces them, enthusiastically, joyfully. Yet all the way through Malachi, each week that you've either been here or listened back on the podcast, we've heard these petulant Israelites arguing with God. They, they're in a downward spiral, for they are not returning. They doubt God's love. They offer inadequate sacrifices, inadequate ministry. They're faithless in their marriage. They distrust God's rule. And they're allowing injustice in their community. Simply, they blame God for their problems with God. Yeah? God, you're not doing what we want. And they're blaming God for that. It's nuts, really. It's like, not that this has ever happened to me, it's like blaming the camera that flashes on the side of the road for the fine that arrives in the post with the three points. It's the, you blame the camera, yeah? It's not your heavy foot on the accelerator ignoring the speed limit. That's nuts. They blame God, not seeing their sin as the issue at hand. And it's a repetitive story down the ages. Yet they are unable to completely abandon God. They're not for moving to atheism. They want to hang on to God. It's like they're living more in an unhappy marriage than seeking a divorce from God. But as I've said, it's not God who changes. He wants the relationship to work. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty, the unchangeable I am. To God there is a constancy, a complete faithfulness to his covenant, his character, his love. And it is because of God's unchangeability, a desire for that relationship with us today, that he is our only hope in life. Our only hope lies in the 
truth of God's electing love found in Jesus Christ. Let me take you back to Romans <laughs> for just a moment. We spent so long in it, but Romans 8, verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to conform to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. He calls you, he holds you, he's faithful to you. And then, later, in verse 38 onwards, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love you. I want you to return to me. But the response of the Israelites to God is, how shall we return? These questions that they've been posing through Malachi, I'd argue they're not really genuine questions. I mean, if we consider the previous questions from previous weeks, they ask God, how have you loved us? How have we shown contempt for your name? How have we defiled you? How have we wearied you? It's like they've got no idea they've done anything wrong. It's like they don't know they've turned away from God, and if they don't know they've turned away from God, they have no idea that they need to return to him. In fact, they have really quite no idea how quite far away from the Lord they are. And that sounds like so much of the world today. And dare I say, some of the church today. We gather today, and we will share soon, in the Lord's Supper, in our worship service, at his table. We will share in the gift given to God's people, which is the foretaste and knowledge of the sacrifice made by Jesus in his body and his blood shed for us. Because do you know, God gave everything. Everything. Yet in Malachi, long before Jesus, the statement to them is posed, yet you robbed me. Mere mortals such as you people rob God. Again, the incredulous people ask, how? How exactly have we robbed you? Really? And it's just revealing their ignorance time and again. How far from God they are. How unbelieving of his words. Unconscious of the expectations of them. It's like they have no comprehension of the law and prophets. How have we robbed God? I don't know. How we rob God is simply this. We don't give him what we owe him. And you might say, what do we owe him? Our trust, our love, our service, our obedience, our worship, 
quite simply, our self-sacrifice. Quite simply, we owe God ourselves. Because he made us, and then he redeemed us in his Son. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. You were bought with a price. And that price was the death of my son. But how were the Israelites robbing God? This was pre-Jesus. This was before the coming of Christ. It says, in their tithes and offerings. In earlier oracles in Malachi, we've heard that the Israelites are profaning the offering. They're offering the wrong offerings, blemished offerings. They're disrespecting God by the quality of their offerings. But here, it's the quantity that's being questioned. The level of tithes and offerings are pretty plain and clear. They're laid out in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Tithes and offerings were the way that the people supported the work of the temple. The temple, the priests, and the Levites for the work of the temple services. It's what today we might call ministry. Ministry to the poor and to the needy in the community. Robbing God was robbing the temple and robbing the poor and needy. But ultimately, what it was, was robbing God. But it was more than that. If we put that aside, the idea of neglecting tithes and offerings showed a poor understanding of property and possessions. I like to use the analogy of two fleas on a dog. And they're there having a chat, putting their feet up, trying to put the world to rights. And they're arguing over who owns the dog. It's a bit like us on this planet. We like to say who owns what. We think of the material things of life are for our benefit alone, for our enrichment. We fail to take sometimes account of stewardship. Stewardship that we are called to by God. The Israelites' attitude is not one of stewardship. They hold their their possessions in trust from God. It all comes from God, but they had this attitude of ownership. And it's the same way we are encouraged to think of today, myself included. I get it. I get it completely. I think about the future. I want to provide for my family, for my retirement, for if I get there, to provide for my family, for our old age, all of that sort of stuff. But who is our family? You are my family. The poor, the needy, the aged are all my family. But it's a danger, this passage. We must not universalize it. As pastors and preachers, we must not abuse this passage. The Israelites are told not to rob God, but to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse the first 10% of their crops. God also says to test him. Do this, test me. Bring everything that you're supposed to bring 
And then I'll open the floodgates of provision. Everything will be provided. And that's what you might hear from a prosperity preacher. You know, those preachers who present Jesus as the ticket to good health and wealth. Come, listen to my preaching. Give us your money and Jesus will bless you. He'll bless me more, but he will bless you. Creflo Dollar on his $10 million jet or whatever. You know what I mean? That's abusing texts like this. Trust Jesus, give all you can and more. He will provide all you need. That sort of preaching strips away any focus on eternity and reduces the gospel to what can, they could experience as their best life now. But that's not what the gospel teaches. There will be persecution and trouble and strife in this life. Bring me your offerings and you will be blessed. That's incorrect. It's about personal wealth and materialism and ownership. If you really read Malachi, the blessing is agricultural. God says the pests will be prevented from attacking your crops. The vines will ripen well. They will not drop their fruit early. And the land will be favoured. It will be a place that is delightful. It will be a desirable place to live. A place where everyone is blessed by material wealth and what they want is not a desirable place to live. It's a place of greed and self-serving. But let me paint for a moment a picture of what a land that would be desirable to live, that would be delightful, that would be blessed by God. It would be a place where man and woman and children live together well in harmony. It would be a place where there's no abuse. It would be a place where there is abundance for all. And yes, I mean all. Abundance of food, clothing, shelter and housing, education, health provision. It would be a safe place. Imagine being able to leave your doors unlocked. Some of you might be able to remember that in days gone by. Unlocked because no one, absolutely no one has a need to come and steal, to cheat, to defraud. Because all their needs are met. Am I describing an unrealistic utopia? Yes. For this world can only be imagined. But do you know it is a world I can imagine if every single person truly followed Jesus as their saviour and lord? Every single person. Lord of every facet of their lives where trusting God was beyond question, where faith was grounded in obedience. It is a world where no one would argue over who owns what, but instead people ask, how can I truly help and provide for others? As the Lord has provided for me out of my abundance or out of my scarcity, I will give. I will give without expectation from God. He will bless me, but that's not why I give. 
Something else to think about this passage and blessing and curse. You have to beware that you can't universalize it, as I've said, because poverty isn't necessarily a sign of covenant disobedience, just as wealth is not always a sign of covenantal obedience. We cannot tie the Lord's blessings financially and materially to us, to our obedience to him. It it would be a disaster for a poor, righteous person to think that their poverty represented a curse from God. One of the commentaries I've read on Malachi said, it also goes on, it would be a disaster for an arrogant, wealthy person to think that their wealth meant that God approved of their behavior. Yet, obedience to God does bring blessing. I won't deny it. Blessings that may come in this life, but for every follower will come in the next. Hebrews 11 speaks of faith in action, recognizing that there is a better world than this one. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. The Israelites, he's talking about the Hebrews. Before Jesus had come, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. They had their eyes set on the Messiah coming and a heavenly kingdom. So what do, what does today's oracle from Malachi leave us with? Two things. One, God is unchangeable. He is constant. He is immutable. He desires a relationship with his people, those who would follow Jesus, who would come with repentance heart, who would honour him, obey and trust him. His desire is for a people who would daily come and know him, come and find their lives changed beyond all measure, by him, by his abundance of mercy and by his abundance of love, overflowing into whatever circumstances people find themselves in. Rich, poor, educated, uneducated, third world, emerging world, the western world. God wants them all. And two... Yes, although this passage should not be used blindly to tell folk to give financially so that they will get abundant blessings in return, we should also not shy away from proclaiming that we are encouraged to give. We are encouraged to give for the work of God in this world now. Give the the church may proclaim and continue to proclaim the truth of God's word. In said word, in written word, in recorded word, but also in action, in what we do. I'll leave you with this. A promise is, as, is only as good as the person who makes it. And the promise is this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life through Jesus Christ, God's only Son, is what God gave. What is your response? And what will you give in return? Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sunday podcast from our team at GMC Dunfermline, Scotland. If you'd like more details about who we are, what we believe and how we serve, then visit our website at gillespiechurch.org or find us on Facebook or look back at some of our videos on our YouTube channel. Just search for Gillespie Memorial Church. All inquiries can be made through the contact us page on our website by calling the office. If you'd like to support our work with a financial donation, then offerings can be made by clicking the Support Us with Stewardship icon on the homepage of the website. This has been a production of GMC, including the pastors and the tech team. All copyright remains with the producers. Today's episode was edited by Barbara Ann Hoey, and the soundtrack is Up to the Mood by Low Tree. Thank you for listening, and God bless.